But we got to get some strawberry mm-hmm. girls and covet shows going again, man. Dude, we really need to do a tour together. I think people would go nuts for that. Oh, let's talk about it. Yeah, we're doing something different. We're going to be trying craft beer from microbreweries on the East Coast today uh, with the honorary, the honorary guests uh, for the first episode, Ben from Strawberry Girls and Dave from Covet. Thanks, guys. What's up? What's up? Yo. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> Glad to be here. That was good. You guys got the beers like without dripping and leaking and all that yeah. shit. It's working. 100% intact, man. Great job. I, I need a vibe like you, Dave. Like, I really do. <laughs> Oh, what's that like? Just be outside on a nice day like this. I know California. I'm like in a closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's for better audio purposes. Um, yeah, it's like cool. He's the, he's the producer, man. He knows what he's doing. I'm just out here. I, I don't even got a microphone or anything. I feel like I'm fucking up. But <laughs> I mean, I'm in my bedroom. I've been doing this from my bedroom since day one. So I think I need to get a studio. That should be the next investment. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know what I mean? That's... I don't know. Yeah. So, but basically, um, it's cool that you guys came on to test these uh, these IPAs out. Which that's all four of them are. They are IPAs for anybody that is listening. Um, we are going to be rating them from this segment as a zero to five, um, just to kind of give them a taste of what they are and to support, you know, something that we also thoroughly inter- uh, are interested in between the three of us. So I mean, it's cool, dude. Um, we have Cape May Brewing out in New Jersey. It's a Captain May IPA. Um, it says it's fruity. I've never had a fruity IPA. I haven't. I wonder if oh, that's. Yes. I wonder if that's going to be good. I don't know. Have you guys had fruity, fruity IPAs? I have. Uh, you know, as Californians, I feel like we uh we got the the IPA. We got the whole like uh spectrum of IPAs out here. I would say fruity is like a. Uh, have you had Pliny, Have you had Pliny the Elder? No, I don't believe so. No, it sounds familiar though. Yeah, that's like the. The Russian River beer that's like super popular. The younger is the triple IPA, which is like the the crazy hard to get one they do like every February limited release. But they're mm. both they're pretty fruity as far as what I remember. I might be totally it's been a while. So yeah, if we got a, some like super hip IPA connoisseurs out there, I might be sounding like a jackass. I don't know. Nah, dude. I mean, I it's the bitterness that I really enjoy through these things. I mean. I mean, I started out with lagers. Like, Yingling's my go-to on a daily basis if I'm at a bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got to represent PA, but then I, I kind of took a step up and did uh, IPAs now. Um, or or Pale Ales. that you guys ever drank? Oh, Natty Ice. Natty yeah. Ice. <laughs> I had the runoff run of a keg of Natty Ice at UC Davis back in 2007 when I was, like, 13. Dang. So, never forget. It's all... <laughs> Foamy and gross. How about you guys? Yeah, Ben. Mine, my first real beer experience was I went to the store with my friends and bought a 40 ounce of Old English. Yeah, OE, baby. (laughs) It was gross and (laughs) at the same time. I can't, it depends on like how you want to say as my first beer. Like I definitely had a sip when I was like nine like from a heineken like but that i don't know if i want to count that but i did buy I, i'm on your route but i bought a uh hurricane 40 ounce we call it the slurricane back in the day yeah the e40 baby yeah dude yeah. i was spitting <laughs> dude, it's crazy how like back in the day like 
we just I feel like we just used to drink more and we didn't even realize how much we drank. Like it's kind of crazy. We have Conehead, which is from Vermont, I believe, and that is something that I'm actually uh, interested in. I, I don't know. I've, I've never heard, heard from Vermont. I've heard uh, my sister and her husband recently went to Vermont like a couple months ago, and they said that this was their favorite East Coast IPA they had when they were living on the East Coast for six years. No so shit. Wow. She saw it in the fridge the other day, and she was like, oh, my God, where'd that conehead come from? <laughs> so apparently it's good. The stork dropped it off, dude. I like that little hummingbird symbol on there. It's pretty sick. <laughs> it's that's the beautiful. most intriguing thing about these like uh, microbreweries. They like have really cool um, like designs throughout yeah. their branding. It's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like, it's almost like holographic or something. Like yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, dude. And like that's that's vault brewing. That came from um, that's from Yardley, Pennsylvania. That is like I think like thirty or forty minutes from me. Um, it's not it's not too far, but they they you just. Know? They just started. They got the actual name from uh, buying an old bank that went out of business, and they really? created a brewery. And then, yeah, there's they got the whole safe open and everything. I don't know what's in there. I don't know if it's like for tours or something. But do you guys what's... know the? Uh, do you know the uh, Danish contract brewer McKellar? It's like M I K K E L L E R. Mm -mm. They have packaging very similar to this. This reminds me of that. Hmm. I wonder if so... they have correlation. Maybe. What awesome. should we start with? Uh, and then the last one, we could probably start with this one if you guys want to, the Tonewood Brewing. Uh, yeah. It's a Fuego. I heard a lot of good things about this one. This also is from New Jersey. So, All right, I'm going to crack it open. Cool. I'm cracking yeah. it, baby. We're going to do yes. it. We're going to drink it or leave it. Just give it, you know, zero to five rating. Nothing crazy. want to support the homies and making these so micro five, brews. Five being like the most amazing beer ever and zero being... <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. <laughs> Absolute zero being fucking steel reserve malt liquor. Mm. Actually, oh, looks, no. looks like a double this IPA. One's pretty smooth, actually, like I've I've had IPAs in the past. I have to be honest, they're not my favorite beers, but uh, this one's pretty smooth. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's bitter, but it's it doesn't like bite you right from the get go. Like hazy IPA. Okay, I like the tonewood. I like the uh, this. You know, as a math guy. I feel like I want to see the stats. You know how many uh, how many IBUs we got on this baby? Mm. I need to know. Six point two percent alcohol. That's wow. a hefty beer. That will definitely get me a little buzz within two or three actual drinks of this, like actual two cans. Um, definitely but, smells dank. Why it's hard it? to first one because I don't really have the other ones to compare to, but I probably have to. Um, it's definitely a three or higher, maybe like 3.5 or 4 for me. Got kind of a uh, sparkly uh, finish on it. You almost like... Yeah. You know, it feels like it's... Uh, you ever have uh, Pop Rocks or anything like that? You know? Oh, yeah, dude. Nice multi-finish, actually. I like it. It's not too... <laughs> the hops are all up front, which is kind of nice. It's a nice dull yellow, too. And it kind of reminds me of some of the double IPAs I've drank over the years and like that's only that those are really heavy i'll only drink like one of those every once in a while so yep. what does that even mean when it's a double ipa doubling double ingredients right doubling up the like guess double up the greens doubling up the hops i'm sure mm -hmm. it's something that just definitely has a lot more thickness to a regular ipa 
I just realized on the front of the can in the flame it says dank and juicy. Yeah. That's why I was like, hmm, that really smells dank, that's for sure. Uh, well, apparently uh, cones or uh, I pops and uh, and uh, cannabis are like the same family, right? Same genus or something? Hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I actually went to a, um, a brewery right down the street from my house the other day. It's called... Uh, Bevel Brewing, and they had just like a cup of like hops, and it, and it almost like when at first glance it almost looks like it's just like bud. Like, <laughs> well, they got uh they got turpins. I know that's like a, a feature that people describe in IPAs that like help with the smell, and I guess turpins are the same thing that pot's got. Have you guys had tried like CBD infused beer? Mm-mm, not yet. Is it good? Yeah, I mean I think you can like infuse anything with CBD, so it just depends on the beer or whatever but i've had a couple of them they're pretty good so i agree with the juiciness of this it's like very it's very fruity it's also like really hides that 6.2 percent like i don't taste any alcohol in this thing i don't I don't taste like that syrupiness at all it's like very fruity up front very malty finish pops yeah. all the way through very sparkly uh kind of like mouthfeel i guess i don't know it's, it's mm-hmm. a very good ipa i'm impressed yeah, I, I I go with Ben on this one. I say a three plus, but I feel like that might change once we try the yeah. other. Yeah, true. We haven't really have any comparisons to anything else. <laughs> yeah, watch this be the best one too. Honestly, yeah, you guys actually are in the the a pretty good ball range. Like that, I agree with. Like I would say like a good three seven, like three seven yeah. up to Okay, a so four. we're getting into decimals here. I like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, try to be specific. I mean, it's it's rare to have something that doesn't really taste like alcohol. Like, you know what I mean? And it has, like, a smoky flavor to it. I don't know. It was just, on, like, first glance, I didn't expect it to be um, this smooth. Usually they are a little bit harsher. Oh, shit, you're right, Ben. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's like the font of the flame. That's trippy. Let's see I if know, we can get a little that close up here. Like, for the... Fuego. Bacon juicy. Bacon juicy. Oh, man, they gotta have some really cool fucking... Yo, Ben and the fucking... <laughs> The only thing is it cuts off my bun, and I just look <laughs> Oh, man. man. If anybody's <laughs> listening right now, Ben has uh, moved from his closet to uh, his virtual studio. Is that like a, is that a Neve rig back there I see? Let's see, what else? We, is that like a, is that from the Spirit Vision Studios, Ben? Or is that just like a generic pic? <laughs> just a random picture I found on Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact, no, don't fool anybody, dude. That's the exact studio that, uh, <laughs> That's that Moonlight studio. was made in. That's yeah, dude. Which Man, really I pleased. feel like uh, I feel like the lighting is what really sells it, you know. <laughs> like hella blue tint. <laughs> that gives me the. Oh, vibe. there you go, yo. Oh. <laughs> okay, now I believe it. Now you're in that studio, dude. <laughs> what do we yeah. got for a live room, though? Let's record a banger right now. Right now, we got a full band: guitar, drummer, uh, bass. We just don't have a yeah. vocalist. Sorry, Ben. I don't know how to play anything else besides drums, so <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> That's all right. Ben Ben holds it fucking down on everything, man. Let's, uh... Oh, I appreciate Do we that. try... Yeah, which one's next? Let's see. Um, hmm. You guys are honorary guests. Dave, go ahead and pick one real quick. I'm going to go with Vault because it's next in line for me. Okay. <laughs> go re- reverse order tastes a little bit like darker i don't know how to explain it but a little darker smoother and it's not as pungent like with the smell as the last one mm-hmm. it doesn't actually have a smell to it at all 
I did a terrible job pouring this one. Look how much head I got up here. Oh, I got like no head. So got the Belgium dip. Okay, let's see. Yeah, I think I may have put a little bit too much head on this one because I can't smell it too well. But let's see. I can't smell mine either, dude. So I mean, I think it's actually just the way it's brewed. Um... Oh wow, much. I agree with the the darker. It's not as uh. This one, I feel like I taste the alcohol. Like, it's that syrupiness kind of coats your tongue right off the bat. It's actually this really is impressive. A it's a totally different beer from the, uh, the Fuego. Oh. It's trippy. Yeah, it's really good. A little richer than the other one. I feel like wow. so the Tonewood, I'd probably say it was like a 4. And then this one, I'd probably say like a 3.5. You know what's trippy about this? is This is a 6.4% ABV. Yeah. And that's the tone wood is a six point two. Yeah. And I don't taste the alcohol at all in the tone wood, but I definitely taste it in this one. That's crazy. I don't know how they I don't know how they did that shit. That's impressive. They had to have tricked us with the other beer. I mean, because I smell more <laughs> of an aroma like coming from that tone wood than I do with the vault. The vault's just I don't know. It's like I've had vault lagers before too, and they're they're actually pretty decent. Um, they kind of relate to a Yingling, but not as you know, not to a T. And uh, yeah, yeah. these are, I don't know, these are really, it's not as rich as the last one, but you're right, From coming from a lower percentage, I don't know. I just, that's actually shocking. I'd definitely give this like a 3.5 yeah. for sure. I mean, it's not as you know? flavorful as Tonewood. We haven't tried the other two beers either, but it definitely holds you know? up to potential. I, I agree with Ben. I'm going to raise the Tonewood up to a 4, and I'm actually going to give this one like a... I know this is controversial now. I'm going to say a one and a half or two, maybe. I'm going to say one and a half. I'm not, it tastes very good, but like, so there's something about that Tonewood, just like that. You could like almost feel the carbonation or something off it. Mm. Sparkle, sparkle is the best word that I have for it, I think. It's like, uh, it's also yeah. got like, it's got more depth to like the way that the flavor develops too. I feel like this one is just kind of like, here's some syrupy alcohol and hops, and that's just going to stick with you till the end. Yeah, but the tone would kind of like started, started kind of hoppy and then finished malty, and I, I definitely feel like I'd have an easier time just drinking the tone wood longer than I would the vault. The vault's a but, little, I think the vault's a little more bitter for me. Uh, yeah. It's not horrible, but yeah, it's def it's definitely a higher hop content. It's like, it just tastes like richer and it's like harder for me to keep drinking it <laughs> like i would actually buy a six pack of tone wood and drink yeah. that from a six pack of vault yeah i agree with you on a drinkability standpoint but i think if you're going for more of a traditional like hopped ipa feel i think the vault probably i feel like if you're more of like a ipa traditionalist like california yeah. ipa hipster or something you know i feel like the vault might be your play but if you're just more of a casual <laughs> drinker like, i think the tone would everyone's like palate and taste is different so like i mean i know people who love ipas they love that bitterness and like um i'm not one of those people but um i can still appreciate it i definitely sit with a glass for it like if i'm at a bar and i'm like testing this for the first time like i definitely drink through one i don't know if i get another one though i think i might go back to a lager my favorite beers like have been like newcastle guinness mm. uh mm. moose drool Nice. Uh, one of my favorites actually is by Carl Strauss. It's called Peanut Butter. It's like Peanut Butter Cup Porter or something like that. Um, oh yeah. 
in San Diego, actually. Yeah, Carl Strauss. Really good, yeah. I've only had it, like, twice. It's hard to find. I think the Carl Strauss, like, I want to say it's, like, the 30th Street IPA or something like that. That's a very good beer. Oh, what about, have you guys tried Anderson Valley? They have, like, the Winter Solstice and the Summer Solstice. Those are both amazing beers. I've tried, uh, I've tried the, the brewery, but never those specific beers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've had I've had their beers like once or twice, but that was just from like someone actually having it in their fridge. Like a friend of mine, like just keeps a bunch of like um, uh, craft beers from all over the country. I'm like, how do you get a hold of all these things? Like, oh, like we travel and like we just bring it back to our house and shit. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> US, like, so you don't USPS. Me- yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you don't mind me drinking like something you might have to like go back out for like in a, you know in a, long, in a long time. I don't know. Like he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter, dude. It's whatever. <laughs> like- my all-time favorite though is Guinness on top. It's amazing. You can't beat it. <laughs> it's so like chocolatey and sweet. Who told me? Um, I can't remember who told me, but they said like if you go to um, Ireland and you get a Guinness, it tastes completely different from when you're drinking it over here. Like can, bottle, whatever. Like yeah. it's it's just like a it's just the, at its pure form right there in Ireland. Yep. So I don't. Know. I, uh, it's funny. I think Ben and I might be the same person because I have very similar opinions on beer it seems i feel like i'm a big guinness person and i've had the guinness in uh was st james gate or whatever in dublin or whatever and it, it's legit it's like i agree though you got to get it draft and then if you're going to yes. do a bottle you got to do the guinness extra i think yeah i'll always go for a draft for first before yeah. i go for a bottle like that yeah. you're, you're getting so much like you're getting the pure aroma out of it and you're getting the full flavor like as soon as it's poured through that keg I have a random question, uh, Dave. Are you is uh, Vesper Sales still active? Uh, we are on like a temporary hiatus, so no. <laughs> but we uh, we will record more music in the future. It was really? funny that you bring that up because the singer from Vesper Sales, his brother is like a giant uh, like Imperial Stout nut and like just general craft beer guy. And George, it sounds like kind of like he was like your homie who just like goes around and just collects all these beers and then. Eventually, he gets to, like, a point where he has so many that he just, like, holds a big party and then, like, has people help him drink them and compare them and stuff. <laughs> but I always I always felt the same. I was like, are you sure you want me drinking this, like, $30, like, you know, crazy uh, Firestone Walker uh, Velvet Merkin or something? He's like, yeah, man, it's all good. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I like that one song. I think it's called Ordinary Day. Is that the title? Uh, yeah, first track off the first album. Yeah, man. Thank you for checking that out. I love that band. We still have a bunch of really good songs that we need to record, but our guitarist, Ian, uh, moved out to New York with his his lady. She's doing her PhD out there. So oh, that's nice. Right you, now, guys, I, you guys also dropped a second record too, right? Yeah, we did uh, last November 14th, I want to say. Nice. Uh, 2019, and uh, six tracks, uh, 30 minutes of music. Uh, some of my favorite songs from that band. And it's, uh, I was actually, we were going to record another EP this summer, but then COVID happened. So, yeah. yeah. When was the last time you guys yeah. were active? Probably like around like 2017. Oh, for Vesper Sales? Yeah. Uh, we, 2019. 2019? We were playing shows up, yeah, we were playing shows up until, uh, up until like early, like late 2019, I want to say. It was our last show before Ian moved. And for, uh, Covet. Did you you guys already wrote a new record or did you guys record it or just write it? Yeah, if that's got like four or five songs already, I have a couple things I want to throw in there. 
Uh, we released an album on June 5th, so that was 10 songs. It's about 50 minutes of music. Uh, the name of the album is Technicolor. Yeah. And I uh, feel pretty good about that one. We just did a bunch of... Uh, we released a bunch of music videos. We also just... Uh, we're trying to, like, give fans a, a little taste of the live experience of that music right now. So that's kind of, like, what we're working on. But uh, I know nice. you guys... Stra- Strawberry Girls, right? You guys got some... Well, your personal music, I know you've been releasing a ton of stuff this summer. Uh, do you have any yeah. plans to take that out live once you... I'd like to eventually. It's just the hardest thing is finding local people who who are like good enough to to play and all that stuff, and then teaching them the songs and stuff. Uh, that's the hardest part. Like I, I've had people, a lot of people tell me like, "Oh, you should play like your solo stuff live," and I want to. It's just like takes time to find the right people and teaching the music and stuff. Mm-hmm. You definitely should. You definitely should play that shit live, man. It would go off. Yeah. Uh, when do you guys think you'll be touring again? Do you have any plans ne- for next year? For Covet? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we're just playing everything by ear and just trying to see when everything can open up safely. Uh, the plan is to, is to tour whenever we can, you know, like whenever things open up and everything is good and safe for folks. But you no, know, like booked currently? No. It's just, yeah, I think everybody's just kind of on hold, just trying to figure out, like, if it's even safe to book stuff. Um, but we got to get some Strawberry Girls and Covet shows going again, man. Yeah, because you guys used to play back together years ago, right? Like six or seven years ago for some shit in California. It's like back in the day, but dude, we really need to do a tour together. I think people would go nuts for that. Oh, let's talk about it. Dude, if Honestly, one of my dreams is like, uh, like Strawberry Girls, Covet, and Floral. Ooh, that would be a sick tour. Opening Yo, up for, the instrumental uh, instrumental bay music, dude. <laughs> Heck Let's yeah. Do it. Actually, real quick, so I was promoting the Strawberry Girls uh podcast between uh Zach and Ben like not too long ago and I was putting it to some groups that I'm like really like, you know, just excited to be in and stuff. And then I also posted an opinion on like how to get the music industry back. It was just like a segment episode, but long story short, I posted it in a Kohi group and I put like covet and strawberry girls like within the mentions and they were like oh my god like that would be insane they toured with coheed and i'm like i gotta tell them maybe (laughs) that's something we gotta look into i know polyphia played out with coheed a couple years back right yeah they did that's i actually saw i went to that show it was in starland uh 2016 or 17 i believe but yeah they toured and those fans loved them um Yeah, dude, we gotta make something happen like next year or something. Like, we gotta try to do it. Absolutely, man. I would love to. It's uh, it's funny too, George. I was uh, recalling this the other day, but uh, Covet's very first show was with Strawberry Girls, That's and then we had done yeah, like straight up at Spirit Vision in uh, Carmel, California. Funny enough, um, it's crazy. Like, dude, that uh, <laughs> so many funny stories from that show, but. We've also done several other shows with Strawberry Girls, obviously. And I was, uh, Ben and I were on the phone the other day talking about it. And there's this, uh, Ben has this awesome, is it the, is it the Octopad, Ben? Your sample pad? The sample, it's the, uh, Ro- uh, what is it? SPDSX by Roland. Okay. Yeah, he has the sample pad. And I remember at the Oakland show at the Night Late, it was with Mannequin Mishap, I think, right? Uh, I think so. I want to say so that, Ben. <laughs> that was a fun show, man. And I remember, like, 
every time there would be like a little break or a rest in the striver, you know, they're going hard and then they do like the break and then you'd yes. be like, Oh, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like these vocal samples in the trigger pad that were like, it was like some, it sounded like a hip hop artist just going like, come on. Yeah, it up? is funny. Like if you watch our audio tree session, I was just going to say that dude, like yeah, you're doing that these, right like, throughout the set. Of, like, I have these, uh, Lil John samples are like, okay. Yeah. That's what it is. Right? Okay. <laughs> Right before it goes back into the song and it builds up, dude. I was dying. That's the first time I saw that too on Audio Tree. It was like, you guys went into it with Spanish Bay, and then throughout yeah. the set, like you were just like, you know, every time there was like a pause, like a slow song, like, you would go back and be like, oh yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? That's awesome. So epic live, man. It's cool that Coheed fans, Coheed is like a cult group, so I think like to have your names like both you know in conversation like that's cool like uh and i just talked to tom from thank you scientist and he signed to evil rink so evil ink excuse mm-hmm. me oh am i getting a little sloppy already uh <laughs> <laughs> 6.2 percent baby yeah i know oh, dude like and we as we're chilling i'm drinking this this tone wood this tone wood is it's got it's got some flavor man like it's good man it is fuego i agree it uh, it's an appropriate description mm. it's kind of mm. crazy that like seven or eight years ago like Yvette came to my studio and we we recorded like I think it was her first like studio video like I mean she had other videos online which is how I discovered her I honestly thought she was like some girl from like Japan or something but then she's like oh I'm in San Jose I'm like what you're like an hour away from me so then like (laughs) she came to the studio and like I recorded I filmed her doing like an acoustic song and she was singing at the same time it's still on my uh, YouTube channel pretty crazy you were in california for a while before you moved to oregon right yeah i mean i'm from salinas california i've right. lived there my whole life um and i've only been in oregon like two and a half years so it's relatively new hmm. yeah okay. yeah, yeah no, salinas like monterey carmel area is like one of the prettiest parts of all california too it's yeah. so nice. right by the ocean on like california central coast hey, kind of sir. Oh, 17 mile drive oh yeah. yes uh, you guys, I lived in Carmel for like four years, and like it was really cool. It's just like really expensive, and there's a lot of like old rich people, old like yeah, just really old. <laughs> but it was cool. I got to see uh, Clint Eastwood in the parade. They had like a parade because Carmel was like a hundred years old or something as a city, and Clint Eastwood was like riding a horse down the street because he used to be the mayor of Carmel. My mom <laughs> met him in 1978 at the Hogs Breath Inn. Oh, dude! I used to go. I used to live right around the corner from Hog's Breath, and I used to eat there at the restaurant. Yeah, we literally went there yesterday for my dad's birthday. It was just trippy. Oh, nice! Because my mom like saw him. He was like eating a hot dog and walking around out back, and she's like, "Oh my god, that's Clint Eastwood back in 1978 or some shit." She has this photo. It's been on the the refrigerator ever since. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. That's that's crazy. I used to. So there were. I don't know if you remember this, but it was a while, like years ago. Uh, there was like a reality TV show by the Eastwoods. It was more by like um, Clint, East- Clint Eastwood's wife at the time. I think they got divorced, but uh, I forget her name. But she had like a reality TV show about this like acapella band from South Africa. Mm. And they were like living in Carmel and like doing the TV <laughs> show and stuff. And I actually became friends with one of the singers. And he's on a Strawberry Girls uh, album. He's on um he's on that song negro spiritual oh no way yeah shane smith 
Yo, that's crazy. That's such a random premise that they would have like South South African acapella group hosted by the Eastwoods in Carmel, California. I know, it was super random. (laughs) Only only in California, man. That's some random shit. Yeah, and I mean they're there, so just grab a hold of them and get them to feature on the on the album, dude. Like, yeah, that's super rad. How how long did that process go when you guys were recording? Like, for recording for the day, their vocals. Like, was they just there for the day and then like they were out? Uh, yeah, it was just um, the one guy from that group. They were called what were they called? They were called Overtones or Overtone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just became friends with Shane. And he was just one of the singers. I think there was like five or six guys in the band. Um, but yeah, he just, we became friends and then he came into the studio. Uh oh. <laughs> I think we're losing Ben. No, Ben, come back. Come back, brother. Come back. Uh, Baby, come back. Because <clears throat> we need you more than ever. <laughs> you can blame it all on me. <laughs> come back. <laughs> I did that to my girl the other night, dude. Literally, that's so weird. I said that last night to her. I was like, "Baby, come back," because she started walking away. Because she like, because <laughs> I like kind of took her off a little bit because I was messing with her, and I was like, "You can't play it all on me." dude, she was dying. She's like, "I can't stand you, dude." I just started singing like, <laughs> random like songs to her all the time. And it's not in key at all, and she's like, oh, "I can't stand you," but she loves me. I know she does, <laughs> <laughs> but she loves me. Yeah, I, uh, she's just a short that guy. song. That song is like a classic. I sing that all the time. I also do the uh, the Circus Survive. Uh, this changes everything. Yeah. I think Anthony's so, playing a show in uh, Lansing. Oh really? Yeah. You want to open the next the uh, the next beer, the Conehead? Yeah. Cape or Conehead? What do you think? Let's do the Conehead because let's get the fruit to last, save last. You know what I mean? We'll save the fruity for last. Saving the fruit. And your sister, she said, what did you say, uh, Dave? That she was she out there for a little bit? Her, yeah, she lived with her and her husband and their dog lived out in this year. And they recently went out to Vermont to enjoy some of the scenery. And uh, they had this beer somewhere, and they said it was the best East Coast IPA they had had since living out there. I'll take their opinion into consideration. Oh, how was that... Uh... Because you, you traveled with them recently for a couple of weeks. How was that? You guys went across yeah, America? They, yeah, they moved back home to the Bay, so I helped them drive, and it was so much fun. It was, You know, I haven't obviously gotten to see them in a little while, so it's really great to reconnect and, like, spend some actual quality time. And their dog is the cutest little critter in the world, so it was so fun watching her not be in an 18-story apartment above Manhattan, you know, getting to, like, run out in the wilderness and enjoy the enjoy the life a little bit so i'm out rushmore devil's tower oh, yellowstone awesome. grand tetons it was beautiful man it was the perfect uh quarantine antidote oh for sure say. did you you said you went to the grand canyon we did uh mount rushmore we didn't do grand canyon but oh, we, okay. like, we went like uh we went west through pennsylvania and then kind of up through 90 interstate 90 and then did like uh southern minnesota south dakota Montana, uh, like northeast Wyoming, Montana. They came down through Montana into Yellowstone through Wyoming, Jackson Hole, Grand Tetons area, and then through Nevada. What a sweet sweet trip, dude. That's awesome. That's it was. Oh man, it was so much. Uh, The Covet drummer Forrest, he was joking with me that I was on tour. 
Dave. He's like, Dave's on tour. I was like, I am. I'm back, baby. I'm back. <laughs> it didn't take long either. It's a beautiful can. I love this. Uh, I love the Conehead logo. It's gorgeous. Yeah, the yeah, aesthetic's like, actually really look, nice. And that, I mean, that's probably hops, but it looks like an artichoke kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ben's, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, Ben is from like artichoke Capital. country, California. Capital. Yeah, Castroville is the artichoke capital of the world. They produce the most artichokes, like, out of everywhere. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> so like Ben Wisconsin knows what there. he's talking about. Yep, it's like Wisconsin. Wisconsin, exactly. Uh, I just had my first sip, and it's pretty smooth. I know I've said that about the other ones, too, but Whoa. it's uh, pretty nice. This one's actually probably Whoa. the smoothest out of all three, for sure. It's almost like a... It's almost like a fusion of both of the last ones we just had. I I might give this one a higher rating than the tone would, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a four point five. Wow, um, that's, that's really high, dude. No, that might be too high. Let's, <laughs> no, let's that's, other, that's, not, dude, that's your that's your opinion. That's your thing. I was thinking like of like a four one. Like it's so smooth, and you can get so much flavor out of it entirely. <laughs> like, I was thinking like, like a four one. Like yeah, <laughs> that's not too high. It's like. It's good, dude. It's I Dave, like, like what you said, Dave. It's definitely a mixture between the per the, the last two that we had. Wow, I'm impressed. Ben, I got a question for you, brother. Yeah. So if if a freshly poured Guinness Dublin Ireland is a five, what's a what's a what's like a can or a bottle of Guinness rated at? Uh, I don't know. They're all different because I've had like cans and bottles of guinness and they kind of have different flavors i don't know like they can vary um yeah i haven't had a bottle or can guinness in a while like i've had a draft guinness probably sometime in the past few months or something i forget but uh yeah i don't know i mean a can if if draft if the perfect guinness was a five then like a can would probably be like Three or four. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. You're probably so not getting surpasses the, same... the can. Yeah, you're probably not getting the same carbonation from it, you know, from the yeah. can itself. I've had some bottles of Guinness where I'm like, this doesn't taste like Guinness. It tastes weird. And then I've had other ones that are like, oh, this is actually like pretty close to like a draft. Um, but yeah, they just, I think they vary. I would, uh, I would, I would agree with that assessment. I, uh, this beer is trippy because it's like. I said the tone wood had that kind of like it developed more interestingly after time. It had that sparkle, it had the multi, and then tone wood had that like really syrupy kind of tongue coating thing. Yeah, true. Conehead, this conehead's trippy. It has alcohol syrupiness from, but then it has the sparkly slash multi finish from the tone wood. I don't know if I just said that the same twice. The beers are kicking in, but uh, it's trippy. It's it's almost like a. I gotta say though, I think the uh, the nose on the the tone wood has been the most present of the three beers that we've had thus far. Yeah. Uh, this is this is fucking good, man. Damn. Yeah, because this is right, dude. Dude, she's on it, man. She's from Cali, you know. She knows her IPAs. Yeah, I just, uh, I went through all three again. I'd say the Vault so far is the most bitter, and then Tonewood, and then the Conehead's the most, um, 
It's, I think it's the smoothest. That's great. Yeah, George, you described the t you described the uh, the vault as dark, and it's trippy. It's like uh, it's like you get that. There's a. What am I trying to say here? It's like the cone head is like the brighter version of the vault, almost. A little bit, yeah. And the mixture between the two. Yeah, it is trippy, and it's, you don't get too much of a like. I don't smell like too much of like the hops from it at all. Like tonewood was like so so like prominent to my fucking nose like i that was the first as soon as i cracked it open i could smell it immediately yep whereas everything else wow. was like actually kind of like just very dull but flavorful yeah this this cone head also has the uh the classic like tanginess from hops so this ben's got it a 4.5 i got it a 4.1 what are you thinking dave do one more sip <laughs> That is good. That is really fucking good, dude. That's a that's a damn good beer. Ooh, I'm gonna do a four point three. I'm gonna split your difference. Ooh, let's go. It's good, dude. Like, I mean, that's definitely the best tasting beer that there I've had go. so far. Like, especially like <clears throat> if I'm gonna sit for a while at a bar, like that's something that I'll definitely order like seconds worth. I mean, the tone would for sure. But I know, like, once I have, like, another two or three, it's going to catch up, and I'm going to probably want to, like, get to something that's, like, not as, like, not as strong with the hops flavor as, like, what the cone has, like, pro providing with. It's really fucking good. Um, another trippy thing is the Tonewood and the Vault, like I said, we're both the same alcohol level. The Conehead claims to be 5.7%, but... It's interesting because, like, the, the tone wood has more alcohol, but I still don't taste it compared to the even the cone head. Like, the alcohol kind of gets you still, but mm -hmm. even though it's like almost a whole percentage, no, good shit, man. That's good. And then we have the Cape May IPA, the uh, Captain May IPA. This is with fruit, some kind of fruity delicious. Is this going to take like fruit loops, hopefully? Yeah. I love fruit I love fruit loops. As a member of Covet, I'm obligated to say love <laughs> some fruit. fruit some loops. fruity loops for production wise and for your uh morning cereal. So they give me uh they give me energy, you know. Dude, either way, um there was a there was a there's a beer I had foreign objects I was telling you about, Dave, and dude, it tastes straight like Fruit Loops. It was so fucking good, but I can't get my hands on it because they don't they're not selling it right now around my area. Mm. I was gonna say if you find one, send me send me some. Oh, for sure. I was gonna ask you, George, uh, where did you, what made you decide these four beers? Well, a lot of them. I mean, these are all East Coast brews for sure. Um, three of them are close to my area with how like i thoroughly enjoy like those communities like cape may is um like right in new jersey like it's not too far from here but it's very intimate it's a very nice like residential area for just trying to vacation and everything uh tell them what i've heard so much great things about and yardley's in my backyard with vault so and but honestly, with the Conehead, like, when I was going into a store talking to uh, one of the sales reps, like, they recommended that Conehead, like, through and through. I was like, all right, for sure. Yeah, I'll grab it. Like, Let me see here. 
Definitely, I agree with the uh, tropical aromas description here on the front of the can. It smells like pineapple to me. Uh, try this dish. Excuse me. <clears throat> oh. That's good. Whoa, what is this? What does this remind me of? Whoa. This thing's what? got a complex ass to it. Wow. <laughs> I agree with you, Ben. A little bit of nuttiness up front, but and like kind of like zingy tanginess. Yeah. Yeah, a little acidic for sure. Like nothing like too crazy, but it definitely has that feeling for it. And I've never. This is like my first, my first fruity IPA, so I've never really had anything like this. Um, oh, this reminds me so much of a beer I've had before. I definitely give it a solid three eight. Like, just something that I would casually sip if I'm on the beach, like during a summertime, like towards the end of summer. Like if it's like if it's like nice out right now, like I'm in the sixties, I would definitely sit on this on yeah. this IPA for a little bit. I definitely describe this. I think the fruitiness comes more from like a tangy element than like a sweet element for sure, because it's very hoppy. It's like one of the more overtly hoppy beers of this selection, for sure. Six point four percent. So it's the same as the vault alcohol wise. Mm. I think the winner for me is still the conehead, for sure. <clears throat> it's just the easiest to drink for me. The body on this is really a uh, really light too compared to the vault. The, the same alcohol content. I feel like I taste the alcohol more in the vault still. You said tone wood, right, Ben? That was your play. Uh, the cone head is actually my head. favorite. I could definitely drink a six pack of this for sure. And as same with the cone head, the vault. I I just didn't get too much satisfaction out of it, so I'm kind of like, you know, at odds and ends. Like if I would like want to drink another one. After I already had one. You know, I'm having a hard time with this this uh, Cape May. Like, trying to... I feel like it's the most different of yeah, these it is. four options, for sure. It's got, yeah. like, a nice, bright, bright zinginess to it. Like, really hoppy. And then kind of like a, a really, like, strange and complex finish to it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if there's... I feel like for the true IPA fans out there, I feel like probably for me, like between the Conehead and the and the Cape May, in terms of like that kind of Cali style that I'm accustomed to, mm-hmm. this feels like the Cape May kind of reminds me of. Uh, it reminds me of a beer that I've had before, but I just can't put my name on it right now, which is kind of bumming me out. But I think uh, as much as I love the Conehead, I think my if I were to just be like sitting at a bar hanging with some homies or if I'm like before a show and I'm just trying to like relax a little bit or after a show trying to relax a bit, I feel like the tone would, it would be my play just because it's got like, doesn't feel like I'm drinking alcohol. It's nice, light and easy. Yeah. And it just like, I don't know. It has like a whole spectrum to it that I really liked. Uh, and it's like the least hoppy of the four too. Mm. At least like for my, my perception. So I feel like it's like, like you said earlier, George, kind of got that drinkability to it. That's really uh, nice and easy. Um, but the Cape May is, it's a great beer. It's, I, I think for my taste personally, I'm, I'm less of an IPA guy in general, but 
I think the Cape May is it's easily a four. Mm. Easy, easily a four for me. I think like it's got a lot going on. I agree. The Vault is probably my least favorite of the four, yeah, but same. it's still a very good, still a very good tasting beer. That's a loser. Uh, yeah, I think my number. <laughs> if I were to do one through four ranking right here, I think I would do Tonewood, Conehead, Cape May, and then Vault. Yeah, they're all very good beers, though. So. Yeah, my my ranking, um, starting from the top, would be Conehead is the best, and then Tonewood, and then probably Captain May, and then the Vault. Yeah, I'm on the same page as uh, Dave. Tonewood, the Conehead, the Cape May, and the Vault. The Vault just didn't give me too much satisfaction out of it. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's and it's a shame. Like, it's right down the like, street from me too. The design on the can was dope. Like, I'll give him uh, credit for that. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful can. And also, be- the beer tasted very good too. It's just very, very like syrupy IPA. Didn't mean it didn't have the uh, like. It didn't have the intensity of the Cape May, and it didn't have the drinkability of the Tonewood. Right. Exactly. So it's kind of. So it wasn't as like. Uh, it wasn't as interesting the whole way through drink or the sip. But the Conehead, man, that one was a, a sneaky little bastard right there. I like that guy. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple uh, microbreweries around the area um, that, like, I'm a huge fan of just because of the fact that they're actually huge, like, uh, advocates for the music scene. Um, there's, a, there's a beer company called Shamney Creek, like, not too far from me, and they throw – their lagers are pretty good. They throw um, shows all the time, mostly hardcore and punk shows. <laughs> Um, and they like, you know, use their brewery as a venue and then, um, dogfish head. Uh, that's another oh, one. Yeah. yeah, dude. They rock, man. Like they do, man. They're so good. They had that ancient ale years oh, ago. Oh my God. I do remember oh. that, dude. That was my shit, man. I love that beer. I go to raging bitch every time I like go to a store. If I want to buy something like from them it's just raging bitch like right out of the gate like and then you, see the, <laughs> you just see the dog like just like eating away at whatever the, the um whatever the design is like it's actually it's it's just a pretty cool beer like uh, no nah, it's really it's good 60 and 90 minute ipa can't argue with no nah, i wouldn't either um and it's cool because like i don't see a lot of like breweries like doing that like we're playing a, a show zach and i you'll meet him eventually dave um our co-host uh we're going to play a show at a distillery probably, oh. I don't know, like sometime in November. So it's cool that they're still able to like perform those like small cover gigs and everything. Um, but, yeah. you know, our industry is still close for the time being. So, I mean, hopefully that, um, you know, that resumes, you know, momentarily. Um, ben, are you, how, how's the, uh, the Strawberry Girls album coming now? Like since the last time we talked, like. How how much have you progressed into that next album? To be honest, uh, it's just been sitting and marinating. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's um, cool. And I just like so Zach and Ian came up here for like it was like ten or eleven days, and we tracked everything. We tracked like guitar, drums, and bass, but um, it was really hot in my garage because I don't have air conditioning, and it was like the hottest month of the year, and we were like dying in there um so we kind of ended the 
the recording session a little bit early. They were supposed to stay like another like five or six days, but then we ended early because it was just it was too hot. And to be honest, I was also dealing with like a body rash, um, which really sucked because I, I had to like record drums like in a hot garage and stuff, and then I had this rash all over my chest and everything, and it was really uncomfortable. Are you okay um, now? Yeah, I'm. I'm totally uh, healed up right now. But, but yeah, so I've, awesome. and I've I've had a bunch of other like collaborations that I've had to that I've been sitting on for like months. So I've been kind of focusing on that stuff. And I don't know. I'm kind of like OCD, so I kind of have to like finish like certain projects before I like start on new projects. Mm. Um, yeah. So I I'm gonna like get started on the Strawberry Girl stuff like pretty soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were planning on just dropping every song as like each song as a single anyway. So we'll probably be dropping like one song like every two weeks or something um, over the next few months. Singles have like just with streaming nowadays, like singles just get more attention and more streams and stuff. So that's kind of our plan. Um, but as far as videos, I don't know. I was thinking about just doing some kind of visual, like just finding random like video content online and putting together like some kind of visual just because we're all uh, spread out now and we don't we can't like get together at the moment and like record actual like music videos and stuff so i want to put together some kind of like visual element for each song um oh that's rad yeah but uh, yeah i mean it's it's gonna come out soon kind of like how um was it um good tiger how they go through their videos um, where they have like a different aesthetic for each song that they release. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't seen any of their videos. I got a good day buzz going on. I don't know about you fellas, but <laughs> oh, dude, I'm I'm a little blitz right now. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, but it's almost it's five o'clock for you now, so you're you're good. You're justified, right? <laughs> yeah, I got that excuse. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> now that we've reached five that point. Five o'clock. I'm, I'm is... super fun, dude. <laughs> I ain't driving nowhere, <laughs> so that's literally where I'm going to be staying. Yeah, Good Tiger. They released um, a couple of videos like a couple of months ago, um, like for singles, and like they had a different aesthetic, and they would come through uh, with these like virtual looking graphic uh, like music videos. It was pretty cool and stuff, and. Um, Dave, I know like you guys like kind of made a teaser for um, the possible live stream performance that Kava is being uh, that is going to be performing. Uh, is there anything else that you guys can kind of like give us a sneak peek about? Like, is <clears throat> it going to be more than a live stream? Is it going to be mostly Technicolor, or are you guys going to add like past songs into the set? So I'll give you the I'll give you the the deal here. So basically, we released the album on June fifth. Obviously, in the middle of kind of the, the, uh, all the COVID stuff, uh, we tracked everything, finished the masters, finished all the videos in early February, and we set the release date for June fifth. And we had a whole tour set up throughout June, like a, a our very first U.S. Mm. our very first U.S. headlining tour. And we were so stoked because five of the ten songs that are on the second color have never been played live. So we were able to bring like half 
that album out until Live Sphere. And we've been kind of, if the idea has been percolating all summer, like how do we bring our fans this live experience? Because there's all sorts of songs that haven't been performed before. So we were initially thinking live stream. We were initially like, okay, let's do it. But then we realized we wanted to, uh, we know that there's, we've seen other live streams and other people attempt live streams and there's obviously like tech issues that can happen there. And mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that like, if we do this, we do it the right way. And so we actually, uh, it's going, we're going to stream the premiere of it, but it will have been pre-recorded. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be like a live Q and a thing. But the reason it was pre-recorded is just because we want to make sure that like there wasn't any like, you know, internet issues for like streaming out of, studio that we're going to assure the best quality for folks since this is like literally the first time this music has ever brought live to folks so we're like we can't have any weird glitches or anything but we uh we are setting a release date on that for november uh it's still being decided but that's the tentative release is sometime in november and uh we're freaking stoked man like it's fun <laughs> it was so much fun like recording all this music and like I said, we were just so jacked to perform it. And so now that we got to like actually perform it and play through it all, and I can't wait till we can play in front of like real actual people because there's uh, yeah. some energy in these tunes. I know you're, I know you're missing it too, man. Like, I, I'm dying to get out there crazy. again. It's just, like, it feels like so unfair because like a bunch of other like restaurants are open, stores are open, like grocery stores and everything. And it's like, why can't like bands just play shows like i don't know it would be great yeah if you could like set up outside somehow i mean there you you would think there'd be a way but sounds like uh especially for bands our size you know it's like we play generally like kind of clubs and things like that so i wonder if like maybe they have limited street access or something i don't know i'm just hoping by next year like stuff will ease up and bands will start playing shows again because like We've already had to postpone our tour, our headlining tour, like two times because um, we were supposed to have it in March of this year, and then we postponed it to September, and then then we postponed it to next March. Um, but now, like our booking agent doesn't even know if it's gonna happen, just because he says stuff's still shut down and he doesn't know when stuff's gonna open, so it's like up in the air. Um, but yeah, it just really sucks. Like I just want to play shows again. I mean, that's like my main income you know like it's yeah it sucks yeah it's insane how the music industry completely stopped in general um and i don't think the fans of music understand that it is taking a toll on professionalism within these bands like such you like both the both of you like both of you tour full-time selling merch touring selling tickets it's a bread and butter like aspect and the Wonder Years are actually, and they're they're a pop punk band from Philadelphia. You guys aren't familiar with them, but they're releasing a yeah, they're really good, and they're releasing um, a live streaming episode in a sense, like a live streaming show for their their annual Halloween show that they usually do in Philly. And it's crazy because when they announced it, and they put a price on it. I think it's like a ten dollar ticket. Like it's nothing crazy, like nothing astronomical. Like I'm sure they'll have bundle packages and like this and that, blah blah blah. But there was one fan. Um, that just, you know, whatever they wanted to say, they said that, uh, I think it's a little ridiculous that they're charging for a live stream. Please name me one other way besides merchandise that these like bands like you, 
for the both of you are doing to sell and like you know streaming streaming is completely a shot for making money from but name me one other way that these bands are making money in general besides merchandise i don't think it's gonna you know i don't think it's a thing like ticket sales at shows are really it it's it's like you said it's your live shows and your merchandise and that's your primary source of income as a touring group yeah, I mean, like, on average, like, when we play, when we're on tour and we play a show, like, at the end of the night, like, it's pretty much 50-50, like, 50% of the money comes from the guarantee, and then 50, the other 50% is, you know, selling the shirts and the CDs and vinyl and all that stuff, so it's like, um, yeah, those are, like, the two main ways to make money, and it's, like, it's pretty much gone right now, and it just, it's really hard, and it sucks. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's, like, why I think, like, they just need to, I mean, literally she she he whoever they are like that's the one percent of thinking like why should i pay this money to see them live streaming but you know the ignorance to it hopefully they understand is like that's better than not making any money because the money that you would receive normally from touring is usually from those sales from the tickets from the guarantees that you would get from the merch sales at those and then like and hopefully you have a distribution online like during all these you know these unprecedented times so yeah, I yeah. Know, dude. I think, I think that there's, uh, I think I, I, I agree with you that like this, uh, this fan, whoever they are, there, there's an argument if you were a fan and you're like paying for a live stream and you can't like assure that it's going to be good quality or whatever. It's like, oh, why am I paying ten bucks for something that could glitch out or like fail or drop or something? However, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Wonder Years. They're like a big band, and they when they do a headlining show, they probably charge at least twenty bucks a ticket, right? Correct. Is that a rough, like That's a, rough a fair estimate. rough guesstimate? Yeah, they sell estimate, like yeah. thousand thousand plus cap rooms, right? They're big, they're right. huge. Yeah, and so now and that I feel like yeah, go ahead, you're good. Yeah, like ten bucks. I mean, ten bucks to me seems totally reasonable, especially that you know that, like you said, and as you're pointing out, like that band loses a lot of income. When they aren't able to play live shows, so it's like ten bucks for this online thing. I feel like, as a fan of the band, uh, to me, it seems reasonable. Obviously, I'm biased because, like, I'm on the other side of things too, and I understand like the band's perspective. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't know. I was a fan. If, I, if one of my favorite bands was playing, was doing some sort of live stream thing, and I realized that, like you said, bread and butter for a touring band is, is live playing, and that that's now long, no longer an income source feel like it's if you really you know if i really personally speaking for myself if i really loved a band and i knew that they were kind of cut short on their main revenue stream then i would you know 10 bucks i paid 10 bucks over the course of a week for coffee or something you know it's like right like all right so say like the episode like glitches out entirely like it's not anything significant but it's like maybe like one song you're playing is just like a little choppy and that's the only problem with that said in general i like you're still supporting your favorite band you know during these unprecedented times and this is the new normal we're not all i mean we're trying our best in this industry to try to you know make ourselves relevant and keep things going and such so it's like oh thanks for the heart ben i appreciate you (laughs) love it (laughs) but it's like no we're trying our best to get everything literally out there in the best quality the best service like we're scrambling we're literally scrambling to do something new and to keep it fresh and keep it relevant so like 
if it did happen, it's like, oh, you know, fuck, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, take an idea perspective. It was like, look, like, nobody's going to be perfect at this from the beginning. Like, this is just something that we have to, you know, do on a norm for a while. Like, even my girl, she she sent me, um, I'm going to go back into the Instagram um, picture real quick that she sent me. Or she sent me something through an IG, uh, an IG DM. Um, so, where is it? So, yeah, right here. So, who is this? So, Dan, the vocalist of the Wonder Years, he actually is taking offers to officiate ceremonies for weddings and then play a personal song that he writes. Like, this is a out-of-the-box idea that these bands, these musicians have to do during this. So, that's why it's kind of like I'm on, like, the... I mean, I'm a musician myself. I am not professionally touring. I have a full-time job and a part-time podcast, but I understand the industry in itself where it's like, you're going to make other opportunities for yourself to do what you have to do. And I don't have any complaints when I do buy merch or live streaming, if it's back ordered, like things happen. So it's just, hopefully things change relatively soon. Um, by 2021. We'll I hope that we'll never have to go through another pandemic in our lifetime. <laughs> and uh, like, I mean, it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty rare to just shut the whole world down. So, I mean, hopefully we'll never have to deal with this ever again after it's over. Yeah, seriously. Honestly. It's like, it's like the light at, at the end of the tunnel. Like, no, we don't need that shit, dude. Like, I was going to ask you guys, what's one song you've been, like, obsessed with, like, right now? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Ooh, I have an answer for this. I just, it's popping out of my head. Let me look at my, let me me research real quick for you. Do you have one? me too. I should. Yeah. There's, like, two songs I've been obsessed with currently. Uh, One is by Wave Racer. He's like a producer, and he has a new song called Higher that just came out like last week, and super good. The production is just like insane. Um, like you can tell that this one song probably took him like months to make. Um, and then another song that I just got obsessed with is by this artist who's like fairly small. His name is Jake Fine. And he just dropped a new song called Violet Hour. And it's like, I just discovered it yesterday. And I was like, I listened to it probably like 10 times. Mm. Super good. What was the artist again? The first one? or Uh, The second artist. Jake Fine. F-I-N-E. Jake Fine. Jake Fine, baby. Got nice hair. (laughs) That song, Violet Hour. It's like, it's like more like, indie like i don't know like coffee shop music but it's pretty dope like i like the melody and stuff so i know that there's an answer to this question so for me dude it's like low by wage war it is so well produced it is like there's like a complete breakdown like halfway through the song um it's like hardcore yeah like hardcore metal produced by andrew wade um they dude they're coming out strong with this album and the album cover looks really cool too it looks like it's like a diamond in the rough like it's like it's like a diamond and then on top of that it's like on a a, 
looks like it's on top of a pyramid with like sand so it's like diamond in the rough kind of like just and then um but it's so heavy and then like i was singing the lyrics to it the other day ben um or yesterday yeah. dirty loops hit me i put oh, yeah. that shit on repeat for like <laughs> at least like two days already <laughs> like it's so addicting dude like dude, it's got that michael jackson like r&b hip-hop vibe like yeah <laughs> their cover of uh baby, baby by is so good it's so, so good, good like, dude <laughs> talking dirty? are we talking dirty loops now yes yeah. i mad respect for dirty loops the bass player is a fucking freak they're all fucking freaks. they're all freaks dude it's it's a little too Disney for me, but I respect Dude, Disney the is sick though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, Hannah Montana, no. that's my girl, bro. Like, <laughs> man, you've been to, you've dude, obviously like... played Chain Reaction several times, right? Yeah. At this point, they had a uh, years ago. They had a merch the first time that Covet played at Chain Reaction in Anaheim. They had a shirt. It was a tie dye tank top shirt that said fuck disneyland chain reaction and i'm <laughs> it's one of my favorite shirts i love it it's it's been so awesome getting to play chain reaction i think i've played there like three times or four times now and it's just like that it's was a, a venue, venue that i heard about since i was like a teenager and it's just a classic venue like so many bands have played there mm. it has like so much history Cir- circus arrives very first show i've heard no, no really? way, dude! Coming from the east, uh, it's crazy because like they're a Philly band, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're um, they're up in uh. Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. I don't know. They're somewhere, but isn't Chain Reaction like one of the, like the most like it's a, it's a very like I I've never been to California, but I know that's like a staple venue, like kind of like next to the Whiskey a Go Go. But I feel like Chain Reaction like took over Whiskey a Go Go's hype from like the '80s. So I feel like Chain Reaction's like that it's new. Any like on. Actually, on like our the first Strawberry Girls tour ever, we were supposed to play the Chain Reaction, and then the show like got canceled like the day of, and we were just like, I was so bummed out because I was looking forward to playing that venue like so bad, and then it got canceled, and I was just like super bummed out. But we ended up playing there like a bunch of times after that. So it's It's a a great venue. I love the uh, the green room too. It's a yeah. nice green room, that big long hallway that goes to the side stage. Um, it's also a good venue for fans, I feel like, because there's good visibility from like almost everywhere in the venue. <laughs> it's like, it's not really that nice of a venue or anything, but it's just like a classic venue. It's like it's fun to play. It's just you you have a good time. Like, yeah, cool. I've had I've had many memories of the chain reaction, including that shirt. But going back to the OG question, maybe not a song, but um, the new Bobbing mixtape. Bobbing is. Uh, do you guys know oh, yeah. uh, Ben? You might mm-hmm. remember Feed Me Jack. Yeah, it's uh, it's Robert's solo project. He dropped yeah. that the mixtape in July, and it's fucking unreal. The way that he has the bass and the kick drum mix to me is just like I can't even. I'm like I want to steal that EQ setting, whatever he's got. I've listened to to Feed Me Jack and Bobbing and. It's really cool stuff, and he has like I think they have an EP of like covers out, um, yep. and there's one song I think it's called Twice um, by Little Dragon. Little Dragon, yeah, that cover. Yeah. I love yep. that song too. Um, yeah, Bobbing is sick. Vesper Sales played 
a gig with Beat Me Jack in 2017, and they were like the coolest. They were like the coolest band that I had never heard of. Yeah, like I know, that I think, we ever played with. I think we were supposed to play a show with him, or I don't know if we did play a show with him, or if we were supposed to, and then it didn't happen, or something. But yeah, it's like it's like that they they broke up. They broke up, but do you know still Woozy? No. They broke up because Robert, who ended up creating Bobbing, and Sven, who ended up creating a project called Still Woozy, they had creative differences. Robert wanted to create more proggy, Feed Me Jack style stuff, and then Sven wanted to do like lo-fi pop. And then they broke up the band, Feed Me Jack, shortly after they released their 2016 EP, uh, Ultra Ego, which is so good. It's like their best music ever, next to Anatolia. Anyway, I have lots of opinions about Feed Me Jack. I love that band to death. But anyways, they split, and Sven created Still Woozy, and then Still Woozy got on like a YouTube or Spotify playlist, and now Sven is like fucking murdering it. He went on like a full US tour in 2018 with Dirty Projectors. Dang. He has like billions of plays on all of his singles wow. and shit. Good for him. It's That's great, crazy man. You mentioned uh, Dirty Projectors because one of my good friends, Keith, uh, he... His name is Keith Milgaten, but he goes by his artist name, Keith Sweaty, which is a playoff, like, Keith Sweat. Um, but he is the sound guy for Dirty Projectors. So Ask that's him about cool. Still Woozy. See if he knows yeah. And actually, uh, he's remixing. He does, like, remixes, and he's remixing one of my songs that's going to come out in a few weeks, so I'm pretty stoked Let's about go. that. Sick. Let's yeah, go. the BB... Feed Me Jack and Vesper Sales, we played a gig in 2016 together, and they opened with Twice, that cover. Oh, but sick. They had, but they had their homie, who's like an awesome alto sax player, like, join in for the whole set. And it was like, I remember just sitting there, the audience going like... <laughs> <laughs> like, mind-blown, dude. Like, I was like, literally, what the fuck? This is a local band that nobody knows about? Like, what yeah. the fuck? I like, Yvette that. had... Yvette Hill told me about Feed Me Jack, and then my guitarist Ian from Vesper Sales had separately told me about Feed Me Jack. And then another homie from like the East Coast was like, oh, I hear that band Feed Me Jack is sick. And I used to have this rule, and I still do. If I have three different friend groups who recommend me music, who are like completely not related, and those they don't know each other, but they're all recommending me the same music, regardless of what it is, I'll check it out. And uh, I checked out Feed Me Jack, and I was like, holy shit. And then I heard him live, and I was just like, oh my god, they're even better live. Yeah. So, R.I.P. Feed Me Jack. But oh, Still Woozy no. and Bobbing are sick. Yeah, I need to check out that Still Woozy thing. I was going to yeah. say, uh, when you mentioned saxophone, my, my dad's a saxophone player. And my parents were up visiting like a few weeks ago. So I had my dad record some soprano sax on the new Strawberry Girls record. <laughs> so oh, soprano is my dude. favorite sax, dude. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Soprano is like that's got like the coolest timbre of any instrument. It does, yeah. Like, yeah. Any melodic like, over alto, dude. Like I, well, I love the soprano, man. Like yeah, I, ha I have a soprano sax, and my dad was trying to get me to play it for a while. It's really hard, and I, I really want to learn, but it's yeah, it's difficult. Heard <laughs> the embouchure is like a pain in the ass. It seems like it, yeah. Like that was the first instrument I wanted to learn when I was a kid, and like they didn't have room for it. I think they only had one spot for it. I got clarinet. So I'd also love to be uh, good at violin too. I, I used to practice violin like kind of frequently, and then I just kind of stopped. It's so so hard. Ben, what don't I you play? 
<laughs> you play everything, dude. <laughs> so he does. Cool. I, mess, I mess around on everything. <laughs> I've actually I been getting more into piano recently. Um, I really want to like work on and focus on piano a little bit more. I think uh, if I could learn any two instruments to a level of mastery, I think it would be piano number one and then drums number two. I feel like cool. I'm still trying to work it out with Forrest, but I'm trying to get him to leave a kit up here for me so I can practice. Because I feel like I can do some basic shit on a drum kit, but I, I still don't know how to fill. And I feel like I really, I really want to play drums. It's one of my favorite instruments. Yeah, you should, dude. Yeah, just you just gotta sit down and do it. And I think once you start like practicing drums and maybe piano like i think that will um you know help your bass playing as well like i think it all like interacts with each other and you learn different lessons from different instruments and it affects like your playing and stuff so yeah that's the old uh john paul jones from led zeppelin the bass mm. player he always said that like because he's a multi-instrumentalist and he played keys and shit a bunch on those records and he said that like the best part about learning other instruments is that they teach you about the instrument you already know how to play yeah. yeah yeah john bond is one of my favorite drummers too and like the thing is like especially with um especially with like learning like from like piano like, apparently like being a pianist like that like as a percussion instrument like i wish i learned that first because therefore i could like evolve into like other instruments like aside from that like yeah. drums and because not only it's, is it percussion but then you have like the chord it's definitely, like a fun, it's definitely a foundational instrument and like it is percussive and melodic so i think um yeah it would definitely help you like you know with drums or with yeah. guitar i think piano yeah. is the uh is the ultimate composition tool because the notes are all laid out linearly mm. and you can do polyphony easily and independence and polyrhythm and every every element of music from like rhythm harmony melody it's just it's all achievable on a piano uh and, and a lot more but more intuitively than other instruments yeah it's kind of interesting that on piano like you know like there's only one way to play each note but on guitar you could play the same note on like different strings like three or four different ways you know yeah, or like true. on bass like it's kind of interesting yeah wait it's all it's i don't know every time i watch a vet play piano i'm like fuck man i blew it i should have learned piano <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. You gotta just get it. Like, you just gotta get a kit, dude. You just gotta get a kit that's like good, good quality, cheap, and then like you start practicing. Or if you just start, dude, honestly, practice on a pillow. Practice on something that you can get a rebound off of. Like, dude, I, do a, I do rudiments. A, yeah. You just need a kick, snare, and hi hat. That's all you need. That's what that's I was saying. That's all I'm trying to get from Forrest. I'm trying to get his. <laughs> when we played in the Illustrated Vile together, he had a DW kit. I'm just. Now he's not using it anymore. I'm like, yo, let me get that kick hi hat right. snare, and maybe just like a ride or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Get up there and start playing. You don't want to be complicated with it. Like when I first started playing drums, like literally, I started on a drum pad, and then I evolved into a kick snare high hi hat. Like that's it. Like, and then got the full kit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I take that consideration. Like the, the first dozen or so gigs we played is the Illustrated Violet. Forest only played with the uh, two piece kit. The uh, kick snare hi hat, and then yeah. whenever Covet plays in Salt Lake City, then you know this. I'm sure George, you know this too. Your touring days, but like every Salt Lake City stage we play is always like super tiny. You know, like <laughs> what's that fucking uh, Kilby Court or something like that? You know, 
Yeah. Every time Forrest gives me permission, Forrest gives me permission one show every tour, he has to play a minimal kit. Like he has to play the two like a two or three piece kit, like a four tom or and I and I always do it on the Salt Lake show because it's always the tiniest stage. But I'm always yeah. like, hey Forrest, this is it. I'm playing my card. Go for it. <laughs> Dude, I actually like I love the, the minimalist kits. Like Terra Melos was the band that first inspired Vince, me to do that. Dude, Vince mm. Rogers, like they're Legend. that's one of my drummers and like he would just play with like kick snare hi-hat and ride and that's it he wouldn't even have a floor sometimes yeah and he was like all over the place and like so fluid and and fast and like that really inspired me and like when we first i think he no he only played single kick i think think um yeah. yeah when we first started strawberry girls i was like super inspired by that and um I would just play like kick, snare, hi hat, and ride. And I, I had floor tom, but uh, yeah, I miss I miss those days of like just the minimal kits. <laughs> now I have like two. Now I have like two snares. I have like four cymbals and like yeah. Yeah, you have an all out <laughs> kit. Like when I my first minimalist uh, uh, drummer was Matt Halperin. He had kick, snare, ah. floor tom. And that was like intriguing to me. I was like, "This dude really doesn't have any rack toms." Especially for a metal drummer too, a yeah. prog metal drummer. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, like their their uh, self titled album, Periphery." Um, yeah, it, from what it seemed like, it was just mostly floor tom. Like, yeah, it was just floor tom snare. And I would watch live videos. I'm like, "Wow!" I was like, "I've never seen a drummer really minimalize like his kit." I think yeah. he had like one crash ride and like one other uh, crash in itself, but he would accent them entirely to do the whole thing. Yeah, Matt's so. an incredible drummer, man. Getting to watch him on that last tour, dude, it was like. Fuck. I was gonna say you got to see him live every day for like a month or so. Like, <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, he's clean. He's clean. No, he is really clean, dude, and he's so hard on himself. He's also doing those things where like he sits in like these ice barrels, and then on top of that, like he's a fitness guru. On top of being like a chef guru, like he's just like he sits in these ice barrels and just like, like meditates. He also have you seen? He showed uh, Forrest this thing. Have you guys seen this? It's like the kick. It's the uh, the drum throne that has the kick trigger, like sensor in it. Do you know about this? Um, he was showing this to Forrest, but I guess for live, like he has this. Uh, his drum throne is like. Uh, hooked up to his kick drum so every time he hits the kick drum he like his seat physically vibrates huh what it's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool so it's like even if he's not getting like great monitoring or anything he always can feel the kick drum i was like whoa that's, that's genius for uh for mixing engineers like there's these like vests that you can wear and like it's basically like a sub like speaker like on like in a vest or something so like when you're mixing you can like feel it like i don't know <laughs> yeah if i could get one of those for my bass live <laughs> yeah because luke holland, luke holland has that stuff for his wrist where like well that's for bpm that's not like for him actually playing but like he he endorsed oh, like, a product yeah. that like keeps bpm on his wrist i don't know if i feel comfortable I doing that those. yeah 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 it's like a bracelet like vibrates and you like feel the clicks so you don't have to listen to it you just feel it like in your wrist or something Whoa, that's, that's crazy i know i don't yeah. i've never tried the product so i'm not gonna like bash it but i think like it would be 
somewhat like a like a like a like a nuisance to actual play and like get my wrists and my my momentum going and then like feeling that vibration at the same time i don't know i'm just using my click here is it both wrists no it's just one watch where you just wear like a bracelet on one wrist and it like it like pulses so you feel it Uh, i've been uh, wanting to try I need all of that. I need the wrist. I need the fucking jacket. If they got boot, if they got boots, that'll give me like if that's guitar or something, I'll do it. You know, just pump it through my toes or whatever. <laughs> You're just wearing like virtual reality goggles with like all this stuff on. <laughs> Yo, bro, not when I'm drinking. Not when I'm drinking. I'm gonna choke on this vault over here, man. Fuck that. <laughs> Well, if you're drinking the vault, we know that we know that means uh, you drank the rest of the beer. So, actually, starting with the vault. Oh, uh, you want to get the worst out of the way first? <laughs> I got to show. Well, it's the highest ABV next to the uh, this guy, or whatever. But the tone wood, I got to have my sister and her husband try this guy. Oh, so that's I've left smart. Had him left. It's good. Uh, I I drank that immediately through the beginning of the episode. I was like, as we were oh, talking, so I'm like good. drinking it, dude. It's so good. Like, so fucking good. Right? That shocked me, honestly. I think I'm down to Conehead. No, that's in my glass right now. I still have the vault left. That's about it. I'm not drinking this. What about you, Ben? What you got left, Ben? I've just been sipping the Conehead. I still have all the beers left. I think uh, the Tonewood is almost gone. But, uh, yeah, I've been sipping the Conehead. I like it. The Tonehead's good. You're not, like, if you guys go to a local, like, um distribution center for like beer or something like you're not going to see east coast brews right or no not often not often i'll see like i'll see like the brooklyn brewery i'll see um allagash is east coast right uh for new york i think so right they're in new york breweries it sounds like Uh, yeah those are the two main ones that i think i see i don't know about you ben uh, I I don't really drink beer that much to be honest anymore. Um, and when I do, I don't really, I don't necessarily pay attention to the brewery name as much as just the name of the beer. So I don't, I can't recall like any any brewery names. But uh, I feel like yeah. with IPAs in particular, like the West Coast has been so obsessed with IPAs for the last like 10, 15 years that like I think it's just hard for East Coast IPAs to maybe like penetrate the market out here. You got like Russian River, you got Ballast Point, um, that other fucking brewery, like Modern Times and shit. They all make like awesome IPAs. So it's probably hard to break into this market. But. Yeah, and like they're all, and everything that we drank today is like microbrews. So it's like they don't, I don't think, have the funding to actually like ship nationwide. Like it's just like, I mean, yeah, Yingling is finally moving out to the West Coast or the Midwest, not even West have you, Coast. Have you guys Yingling's- tried that uh, Deftones beer? Mm mm. No, they know, like they have their own line of beer now. They have like different uh, flavors and stuff, but that's yeah, pretty cool that uh, like a band has their own beer. Yeah, August Burns <laughs> so Red did that. August Burns Red, I have it right here for the can. I already drank it earlier. It's a double IPA. It's from Elder hey. Pine. They like they like collaborated with um, their local brewery in Lancaster, and uh, they that's, just that's cool. Yeah, they spin out limited edition. Um, just brews like this is the double IPA that I had, and then I think they had a, like this is the, the the drink that I had was off of their album Constellations, and I think they had like I think they're working on their mm. new album. I think that's something you guys can work into either coffee. I don't know if you guys are into coffee or like beer. Like 
y'all should make like a collaboration for some breweries. I think Dude, also, Strawberry Girls can do that. I've been wanting for Strawberry Girls to come out with some like some kind of like consumable like item like I don't know hot sauce or like Ben. I, beer, ben, like... I got it. <laughs> I got it for you, Ben. You got to do a strawberry, uh, strawberry flavored rosé. There we Ooh, go. That's genius. <laughs> Comes from his I last like, name. Well, it's pronounced Rosette, but still, like that's I know, but I know, but like, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Rose is like a wine, but actually, my nickname is Rose. I have some friends who call me that. That's but uh, gotta, I was thinking the band Rose. There's some breweries like fairly close to my house where like you can pay a certain amount of money. It's probably like <clears throat> one or two hundred bucks or something, and you go to like their brewery and you get to make your own beer, and then they like you know, do the whole process and you pick it up. Uh, I don't know how long it takes, like a few weeks or a month or something. And uh, they label it and stuff, but it would be cool to like make a beer and just label it like Strawberry Girls and then like ship it out or something. Fuck yeah, <laughs> dude. That'd be so cool. People would love that shit, man. <laughs> it's limited edition. It just gets sent out in like a capacity of like, this is the limited amount that we have. Here's is that legal is. though? Like, do I need to get some kind of like FDA approved like permit or something? Like, <laughs> just keep yeah. it. On, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> keep it on the DL, brother. I'm not telling no. I'm not telling nobody. <laughs> Promoting it wise, like strawberry mm-hmm. perfume or something. That's actually <laughs> there. You go. Strawberry Yo. letter number twenty-three perfume. Strawberry if, cologne. If you guys come, dude. If you guys come out with a cologne, I'm buying it immediately. Like, <laughs> like without a doubt. Like, dude, I used to drink pretty much every day. I would go to the studio in California. I used to drink those big cans of, or bottles of Tejava black tea. You know what yeah! I'm talking about? Yeah. Dude, that stuff will get you wired like all day. Fuck yeah. Dude, I did that recently. Like a. A week and a half ago, I was in SoCal, and I was just like, I saw Tehava. It was like three of those, like, 24-ounce bottles for five bucks, and I was like, I don't need coffee. And I just fucking cranked one right out of the gate, and I was good to go, man. And the, I used to drink those yerba mates, like, in those yellow cans. Like, those things those are crazy, get- too. Yeah. I've been kind of, like, watching my... Uh, caffeine intake like i'm not trying to I, I do drink coffee a little bit but i i'm not trying to like have too much caffeine but yeah not trying to have a heart murmur or anything mm. <laughs> too much anxious no, to make anxiety that, that will give me anxiety like drinking too much coffee i'll have like six cups uh, in like four hours i'm like, like too, especially too much coffee and then smoking weed like it's not a good combo for me you know i did my very first comedy set I, I drank a cup of coffee and I smoked a sativa joint 45 minutes before I went on for 10 minutes. My heart, my heart was shooting through my chest, dude. I couldn't even, like... I, You're doing stand-up comedy? Not really. I mean, I, I did it because I, I was feeling creatively uh, constipated, I guess. I like, came from a Vesper mm-hmm. sales practice and I got my ass kicked. And I was like, my homie was hosting... A open an open mic night at neck of the woods in san francisco and yeah. he's like oh yeah if you want to join he's like come see me come hang out because he's gonna play for 30 minutes and then i walked up and i was just like you know fuck it i'm gonna do something new and then i was like can i do spoken word or like stand up and they're mm. like sure and then i put my name in the hat and then i was the first fucking person to go up and i didn't even have time to get like a drink or anything and so i just like <laughs> 
I went up there fucking wired and I felt like I was, I was doing all right for the first, like I, I was up there and I had, I had my little, I was recording it all. So I could like record it and also keep track of time. And I tell this first joke and it's like, you know, moderately received. And I was like, okay, I'm not like alienating anybody. I'm not pissing anybody off. This is going well. And I looked at, I'm like, that joke took like five, six minutes to tell. I only got the back half of this thing to kill. And I look at my timer and it was like a minute and a half in. I was like, yo, I got eight and a half minutes left on this shit. Like, Did you have anything like planned out or written or did you just like go off the top of your head? Off the cuff. No way. That's tight, That's dude. Great. I didn't I didn't piss anybody off and I didn't alienate him. So I, I did get a couple of laps. It wasn't like the most legendary st- but that's what I, that's what happens with Covet. If there's ever like technical issues on stage or if like shit's going down, I just kind of walk up to the mic and start bullshitting. So I feel I like it was kind of just like we riding at, off of that. We were at Swan Fest, the first Swan Fest. Uh, I was side stage for you guys, and I remember like I think it was like in between songs, and you like went up to the mic and you like said something about swans or something. Swan. <laughs> it was uh, I said, "Hey everybody, welcome to." I remember this distinctly. I said, hey, everybody, welcome to the first annual Swan Fest. We're going to come at you with some swan facts. I was like, did you know that the average swan lays between nine and 12 eggs in its first blah, blah, blah. And then I just like listed off a bunch of... <laughs> it fucking worked, though. Like, people were just like... At first, people were like, swan facts? And then I, like, I started saying this shit at them, and they were like... I got some people laughing. I was like, yes. <laughs> Dude, that was a good day. It was actually, that was my birthday that day. And like the whole crowd like sang me happy birthday. And it was like, yeah! it was crazy. That's so, that's, <laughs> that's, I have a video of it. Yeah. Hell yeah. That, that was April 20, April 30th? Yeah, it was like, I think that might have been the last day of our tour or something. But uh March 30th. There was like 7,000 people there. It was like insane. And we had our own trailer, green room and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, that was the first like legit festival Covet ever did. And we're like, whoa, this is crazy. Especially for Wait, progressive March... musicians. Yeah, exactly. March 30th. March 30th, right? Okay. Wow. Yeah, the swan facts, man. Swan. I got some comments on that. Covet did a, a clinic at MI in LA back October 24th of last year. And this, uh, some fan, like some guy in the audience was like, what do you guys do if you ever have like technical issues or whatever? And I was like, I was telling the story. I it's like, yeah, you know, if, if we ever experience weird shit, if there's time to kill on stage, I'll just go up to the mic and bullshit with people. And, uh, and I was telling the story. I was like, yeah, like when we played Denver with Periphery and Vale Amaya, uh, our whole projector setup just died like right out of the gate. And so we like walked up on stage. We're like, Hey, we're a band called Covet and we're about to start. And then the projector died and Forrest was like, and so I looked back and I just started like riffing and I, I must've been talking for like five to eight minutes or so. And yeah. I, I got some laps and stuff, but I don't remember it being particularly funny or like memorable, but I was telling the story in LA for the clinic. Like, yeah, in Denver, all the shit happened. I told some stories. I don't know if it was good, but like, that's what we do if shit goes wrong. And then some guy in the audience in LA was in the audience for Denver and he was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You were hilarious. He, like, raised his hand. He's like, I remember when you guys played that show. It was fucking funny, man. We were all cracking up. I was like, yes. <laughs> I got him. Dude, I, <laughs> I, 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 I just remember 
randomly when we were on tour with Vale of Maya and Intervals and Crypto Dira. I think we were in Chicago and it was like our first song of the set. And I hit my kick drum and the beater just like went through the head. Oh and like, shit. And I was like, crap, like what am I going to do? So we had to like stop in the middle of our song and I asked like one of the, the other bands to borrow their kick drum and just stuff like that. That had, like it was in our first song, and we're just like, ah, oh, man, man. <laughs> I already, I, I already knew that you had a foot like a motherfucker, but wow, that's a foot, <laughs> dude. That's what I mean. Like you're aggressive as fuck. Like that's why I was like you're- so concerned. Like if you had beef with your snare, I was like, dude, he just like goes, <laughs> he just goes to town on it, dude. I'm like, is it personal? Like. like- Ben's like, I heard my snare talking shit about my wife before the gig, so I just decided to give my fucking two cents, you know? <laughs> I don't care if it's ghost notes. Even the ghost notes are going to fucking hurt. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a warm-up build. Yeah, man. I just like to go, take out go, my go, aggression go. on my... It's, very, it's really... It's therapeutic, you know? Just taking out your aggression on the drum set. Like, Absolutely, dude. Like, that's why yeah. I thoroughly enjoy it so much. Like, I'll, I'll always, like, understand that, like... When I do play, like, even, like, when I'm, like, having an anxious moment or, like, I'm angry, like, taking it out of my kit and just, like, playing the best that I can, oh, my God. It just relieves so much stress, dude. It's the best part about yeah. being a rock musician, you know? Yeah, you just all relieve that, all, all that, energy. All that bullshit that compounds over the day of travel and, like, dealing with promoters <laughs> and all the other, like, oh, tech, Jesus. you know, sound guys and shit, and then you just get up there and you're like, okay, let's do this. Let's do it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how, like on tour like you're spending like you know every day the whole day you're like traveling you got to get some food you got to go to the bathroom you got to do all this stuff and then it's like it comes down to that like 30 minutes you get on stage is like your time and then then it's over and then you gotta like do all go that back to it 23 and a half <laughs> hours of bullshit yeah <laughs> <laughs> on to the next gig but i appreciate both of you coming yeah. on doing this like i we're gonna we're gonna keep doing more of these segments with uh drink it or leave it and we're gonna try to see um you know what it's like to taste other brews from microbreweries and we're just gonna keep okay. doing our thing so dave, dave please please let us know like next year whenever shows open up if you guys want to want us on tour like that would be lovely Let's go. Dude. Same man. I w- it would be. I think that floral run, like floral strawberry girls cup, it would be fucking fire Dude, as fuck. That would be amazing. I can see it happening. Hell yeah, man. I can see it happening. But both of you stay safe. I appreciate y'all. And uh, yeah, I'll be hitting you up for sure. So. I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much for your patience, both of you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. dude. Take care, guys. Thanks for coming Peace. by. Love you guys. See ya. Peace. Love you guys. Peace. Bye.